you are not laughing and it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) don't patronize me woman you do the same thing to me Hello and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two youngish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Honor. And I'm Chloe. And this week we are discussing Every Soul a Star by Wendy Mass. And if you haven't read it yet, here's the spoiler warning. Hey! We also have no content warnings for today. Exciting. Very exciting. (laughs) She says very monotone. All right. And let's get into it. We start the book around three weeks before an eclipse. And just as the sun converges with the moon, three middle schoolers are about to cross paths that will change their lives forever. Allie has an idyllic life on her family's campground, Moonshadow, where they will host an event for the eclipse for thousands of people to come and observe it. She's homeschooled with dreams of discovering a comet. She loves Moonshadow and never wants to leave. Bree is a teen focused on materialism and her looks, not really caring about much else. She wants to become a supermodel and has big plans for hanging out with her clique all summer. Everything changes when her scientist parents announce they're abruptly uprooting their lives to move to Moonshadow after the eclipse. (gasps) End of the world. Jack is a soft-spoken artist who loves reading and isn't too great at school or sports. He needs to take summer school because he failed science, but his teacher, Mr. Silver, offers him an alternative assignment. Come observe the eclipse with his eclipse chasing group and he can get out of summer school. The three kids meet and form a friendship as Mr. Silver involves them in his research of discovering exoplanets. As the eclipse state gets closer, they all learn new sides of themselves. Allie, though she is afraid of fitting into the outside world, sees the opportunity for growth as a challenge to expand her horizons beyond her oasis. Bree rediscovers her nerdy side and decides that maybe it's not so bad to do what you like without people making fun of you for it. Jack starts to come out of his shell and befriends a lot of people at the campsite. He starts to realize that with confidence and kindness, many people like to have him around. As the eclipse arrives, this life-changing event cements their personal trajectories and makes everyone more sure than ever that they're moving in the right direction. Everyone moves on to their new lives, forever changed by the eclipse and each other for the better. The end. Aw, short and sweet. Chloe, what did you think of this book? So this was a book that we both read when we were younger. I read this book in about the sixth grade. It was on my sixth grade teacher's classroom library that she had. And I picked it out and I read it. And I think the first time I read it, I really enjoyed it because I thought it was really sweet. And when I was a kid, The Clockwork Three was one of my favorite books. And I think I read that around the same time. And that was another one where it's this coming of age story that has three different perspectives. And I don't know if before this point I had ever really read a book that had done that before. So I really liked kind of getting into the heads of three different characters in one story. That was kind of groundbreaking to me when I was 12, Mm -hmm. you know. I remembered a lot more of this book than I thought I would. There were certain lines that just stuck in my head and I'd get to that in my reread and I'd be like, there it is, there it is, there it is. And I would hit beats. And honestly, I retained more of the story than I thought I did, which I guess kind of speaks to how memorable of a story it was. It really stuck with me through fucking 10 years, a decade, a whole decade since being 12 and reading this for the first time. On the reread, I thought it was a really 
heartwarming coming of age story. Kind of nice to look back with perspective at the lessons and be like, yeah, like these kids are on the right track. I think that this would be something that is like good for children to read as a coming of age novel. I don't think there's any of that stuff where sometimes it's like, I don't know if that's the message we want to be sending to children. But yeah, uh, overall, a very wholesome read. Honor, what did you think about this book? I love this book. I have reread it multiple times since I first read it. It's probably fourth or fifth grade. You know, that scholastic book fair lifestyle that you had going on, I had too. And this was one of my scholastic book fair finds. I'm pretty sure I bought the book entirely for the thought that the star on the front cover glowed. However, I don't know if that's a real thing or not, or if I just thought it glowed. And I can't find anything about that. So maybe I uh, am a little bit crazy, but no, okay, that was the entire reason I got it. <laughs> you were talking about this before we started the episode. And now what? that you mention it, I swear to God, I do remember like a sticker on the cover of my book that I read in the sixth grade. And it was like the star glows or some shit like that. So I feel like right? you're right. I, I feel, feel like it might like... not have been every copy, but I feel right. like it was some. I feel like it was the Scholastic Edition ones. And no, because you got to do I'm those wrong. gimmicks. Right. Yeah. Got to hook I'm them in wrong, with the cover. But if that was what the gimmick was, I fell hard for it um, for good results because I loved the book every time we read it. But I think it's funny that you mentioned, you know, how much you remember about the book because I don't. There's nothing in my head. Every time I come back to this book, I cannot tell you a single thing that happens in it. I have to completely reread it. And like, as I reread, I'm like, oh yeah. But like, if you ask me before I reread the book, I cannot tell you a single thing about it. During the reread, I'm like, okay, now I'm like drawing it out again. I'm like starting to remember a little bit. Like I remember Allie walking through the circle to the center, you know, contemplating life, that kind of a thing. But before I crack open that book, there is not a single thought in my head. <laughs> like, so I thought it was very funny that you were like, yeah, I remember so much about this and that's such a testament. And I honestly, I don't think that's anything against the author because I remembered loving the book and I love it every time I reread it, but I just don't remember it. <laughs> How many times have you reread it? I think this is my fourth time now. Oh shit, really? probably third or fourth so I love that yeah it's a good little book I enjoy it and I think there's honestly there's a testament to how honest it is with the feelings and the emotions of the characters and even through you know my journey of getting you know starting the book before I was their age when I was younger than them you know reading it when I was more their age and then as I've become older and now I'm an adult I still feel and relate to those feelings that they had so it was very well done No, I definitely agree with that because I think when I was a kid, I probably wanted to relate to Allie the most Mm -hmm. because she was like so cool. She was like the science chick and she knew so much and she was, (laughs) what, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing because I wanted to relate to Brie, but I turned out to be an Allie, but like not really. I was like a mix. You were a Jack. (laughs) Let's be honest. We were both Jacks. I was not a Jack. I was a fucking Jack. I I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, but it's funny because I like, I wanted to be the cool, pretty popular girl, be the one that everybody knows, everybody loves. And I turned out to be a homeschooler that like like, has a niche, like that focused on her hyper fixations way too much. Exactly. Like I had a niche that I was going for and that's what I wanted and I was going to get it. (laughs) So I I think I turned out to be an alley. (laughs) 
I do understand that because I think I think I wanted to be Allie because I always liked the smart characters because you know like the Hermione character the Hermione in yeah. the literature that you read you want to project onto that when you're the nerdy girl who reads a lot but really I was probably <laughs> Jack who was a uh, shy and quiet recluse and uh, liked art liked art loved to read I remember so they bring up the Ray Bradbury short story all summer in a day for Jack's intro chapter I believe and I had read that literally like days before I opened this book for the first time and so I was like oh my god that's crazy I like didn't even know books could reference other books within them you're like but, uh, wild <laughs> oh and there was a Mean Girls reference too wasn't there yeah what was the Mean Girls reference I remember thinking oh my god is that a fucking Mean Girls reference but I can't remember it <laughs> It was in one of Bree's chapters. It was definitely in one of Bree's chapters because yeah. I was like, oh yeah, she's totally like I Regina think... George. Right. <laughs> Wasn't mm-hmm. it up there towards the beginning when she was like with her friend? Yeah, with her friend, wrong. what's her yeah. face or whatever, Claire. <laughs> um, Claire, yes. What's her face? <laughs> no, because um, I think it was when they were like talking about homeschooling or something. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. But yeah, like, well, neither of us like really related to Bree. I would like to talk about her character because I think especially with like the perspective of adulthood, I think she's a really interesting character to look back on being in this kid's lit because something that I really liked that when I was in sixth grade, you know, like you have that, I hate pink, I'm a tomboy, not like other girls. Like I was in the fucking trenches at the time of reading this book. You weren't? (laughs) I was very much an I love pink. I, yeah. (laughs) My fucking internalized misogyny was off the charts when I was in middle school. It was literally embarrassing. Like I wore pink one time and people flipped their fucking shit because they were like, oh my God, Chloe's wearing pink. And I like got so mad about it. I was like, it's just a color. And then I never wore it again. It gave me so much shit about it. But anyway, I digress. Internalized misogyny off the charts first time reading this book. So like I read Bree's character and I immediately wanted to not fucking like her. And I feel like young adult and kids lit tends to do this a lot where it's the, oh, I'm not like other girls who's all like flirty and pink and all they care about is boys and clothes and makeup. And Brie kind of gets the legally blonde treatment in that she mm-hmm. kind of reconciles her femininity with her intelligence and mm-hmm. realizes that it's possible to have both at the same time. It's an incredibly mature concept to grasp at such a young age because God knows I fucking needed help grasping that shit. I was like, you can't be girly and smart. You have to pick a side. But when I read this book for the first time, I was like, why is she not rejecting everything entirely? Like all this femininity and makeup and all the frilly clothes that she loved to wear. I had I a hard time. I would argue that she did the opposite. She mm-hmm. she rejected everything but that because that's all she wanted to be. She wanted to be pretty. She wanted to be popular. She rejected being smart about things. She rejected, you know, being comfortable in her own skin. Like all no, right. That. I was talking more like at the end. Yeah. Where at the like, end, yes. It's like, oh, you like acknowledge that you can be smart. Why are you still wearing pink? Kind of thing. Yeah. But Bree's whole thing is that she realizes that she can have both and she doesn't have to worry about what people will say because as long as she's happy, then what does it matter? So really, Melanie knew it from the start. Yeah, her little sister had it on lock. <laughs> The little siblings in this story were wise beyond their years. They really were. (laughs) (laughs) 
my favorite part is when they go, oh, the teacher who was doing this experiment, Mr. Silver, now suddenly has to go home. Let's call Kenny because our little brother can totally help us figure out how to work all of this equipment. Oh my God. He knows equipment. That was my favorite part. They were like, <laughs> we're just kids. Are you sure we can discover an exoplanet? And they were like, sure. <laughs> you know, they did a good job. Good on them. No, right. I don't know. This story very much like made me like proud of them because I think there's a little bit of everyone in each of them. And there's a lesson that every character has to learn that everyone can benefit from. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting thing is that it all ties together in a way. It all kind of stems from confidence and being comfortable with who you are. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely like the core message of the book. It's not really trying to acclimate to the world that you're in, but let yourself kind of grow and flourish around it and love who you are in the circumstances that you find yourself in. Because everyone is finding themselves in this changing world, which of course is quintessential kids lit. Everything's changing around you and you just have to fucking cope with it and not suffer because of it, you know? Right. But I think that this book does a very good job of tackling those themes in both like the physical sense where Bree and Allie are doing this move, but Jack has to like deal with the feelings that are changing inside him and how he feels about himself and the relationships that he has in his life and his lack of a father figure that I believe he finds in his science teacher. I think Mr. Silver should be stepdad number four. (laughs) Except Mr. Silver's married and having a kid. (laughs) Yeah, married with a baby on the way. So there's a little hiccup there. But uh, It's okay, we can work around it. No, right. It's just a bit of a fixer-upper. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think it's interesting because even with the change inside of them, there's still an external change that's happening with all of them Allie starts to realize okay I can care about other things I can start to like take care of myself and how I appear and Brie goes okay well I don't have to be perfect all the time I can work with what's comfortable and what goes with the world around me and still look cute kind of thing and all of that and I think that's an interesting show that not only is it an internal process but it shows with how you appear to the world and how others see you Right. Because it's all about finding that happy medium because Allie, who lives in this bubble, doesn't think that she needs to brush her hair. She's like, why would I need to brush my hair? And it's like, girl, that's hygiene 101. And it's like, if you're not brushing your hair, that's an issue. Also, I cannot imagine the poor rat's nest in that girl's hair. Like that stuff would not be easy to brush out. Right. You, You haven't been brushing your hair for years. You poor thing. Yeah. Like straight up terrifying Allie. No, because she lives in this bubble and she doesn't want to leave, but you have to be exposed to like the outside world and shit like that. And like too much, of course, is like not a good thing because then you go in the other opposite end of the spectrum, which is Brie at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But Allie is the other end of the same sliding scale, you know, and they just have to meet each other in the middle and see what they can learn from each other. Right. And it's like, there's things that you don't even think about because you don't know to think about them. Like Brie told her, you know, are you going to search for comments as your job? Is that what your future is going to be? And Allie goes, oh, well, I never thought about whether I could do that as a position. Like, what am I going to do? get paid for it. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do for my future kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. And I think Brie was very good about looking forward, but she had a lot more problems with looking where she was currently. And I think she Mm -hmm. started to look around and realize, you know, who are my true friends and not just friends that like me because I have something that I can give to them like popularity or, you know, this or that or the other. 
Mm-hmm. So that's how that worked for her. Yeah, because I think Brie was very good at like projecting herself outward and Allie was a little too good at projecting herself inward, you know? Yeah. Because Brie honestly was serving realness. She was giving reality checks left and fucking right. She's like, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do about this? And Allie's like, I don't fucking know. I didn't think about it that far. And that's just like, <laughs> it's dangerous to live in your own head like that. But when Brie starts looking inward a little bit more and Allie starts like thinking about, can I get paid for discovering comments? Especially when she becomes aware of the information that computers are doing that shit now. And it's mm-hmm. not even going to be a job position for her. Yep. So she gets the a little bit of a reality check too. The poor girl went through though. No, because their they parents- They all went through. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the parents too, because- Allie's parents absolutely sheltered her. They waited until Bree's family got to Moonshadow to tell them that they were leaving Moonshadow. They just kept to putting be fair, it off. To be fair, Bree's family was a week early. But yes, I agree. They should not have ever waited that long. No, like we can talk about Bree's family, but I would like to talk about yeah. Allie's family first. Because while Allie lived in this bubble, it would be dumb to say that she as a 12-year-old child was the one who was solely responsible for that because it's also the responsibility of the parents who didn't do enough to expose their children to the outside world. Especially when they are the ones educating their child. I mean, she literally didn't even know about the things in space that were doing all of these jobs, you know? Mm -hmm. She didn't know about the computers that were searching for the comments instead of people anymore. She found out about that through a childhood best friend's grandpa and she has the thought to herself, oh, my parents must have kept that from me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're literally teaching her her education and there's something that she suddenly finds that has a a large gap in her education. And she's like, why do I not know this? And it's probably because her parents didn't want to kill her dreams. But it's like, okay, well, now you're setting unrealistic life experiences for your child. You're setting them up for disappointment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. the, The interesting thing to me is both families are tearing their child away from the only world that they know and when their children who are children and don't know how to fully emotionally handle themselves react Mm -hmm. badly to that they're like well why are you acting this way we'll talk when you decide to be a little more grown up about it no literally they're like be mature and it's like mature they're children they're allowed to be upset about this exactly and you're tearing them from the only thing that you know they're putting them into a world that they have essentially been taught not to trust or to accept and you expect them to just magically be okay with this right with less than a week notice to come to terms with it exactly Mm -hmm. it's yep so incredibly messed up the thing is like especially with Allie's parents they acknowledge that they're a little bit overprotective at least on some level because Kenny Allie's little brother overhears a fight that they have at the beginning of the book and they're fighting and her dad says something like what will the other kids think she wears a rock around her neck meaning that like they know that their kids are fucking weird and they know (laughs) that they're sheltered and they know that they're gonna get into public and people are probably gonna make fun of them because they haven't really gotten the opportunity to socialize them Mm -hmm. you know and they do nothing during the entire book to help their children to cope with the situation that has suddenly happened There's Mm -hmm. nothing to help them kind of adjust to these changes. They're not doing anything to help with their emotions, to help with their understanding of what their future is going to be like. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're literally talking to the other children and the children are deciding, you know, okay, we're making 
up this plan to convince our parents that this is a bad idea and they're scaring each other because of it because there is no laid out expectation about what's going to happen or what to expect when they get there and they're like oh there'll be movie theaters and arcades and like yeah but they're not worried about that they're worried about life itself they're worried about leaving behind the world that they've known yeah which is fucking scary it is, especially when you're that young and you've never done that before. It's different when you moved around before or when you're older, so you have more life experience, but they don't. Mm-hmm. That's all they've known. No, right. Like when I was even like all the way through a year that I graduated high school, my family would pick up everything and move every three years, like fucking clockwork. So I think like reading through like Bree and Allie's experiences, I maybe didn't have as much empathy as I might looking back because- mm-hmm. That was just how things were. And like, Mm -hmm. given like I did have like more notice before every move, because you kind of like feel it coming when your parents do that every three years. And I think by the time I had read this book, I had already done that three times because I was in the sixth grade. Why are you laughing? I just remembered one time that I, I, they probably did have more warning, but I was like in first grade and they picked Mm -hmm. me up from after school care on like the last day or something or like close Mm -hmm. to the last day or something like that I don't know what it was but they told me okay like this is your last day of after school care like you're not coming back and I was like why am I not coming back they're like because we're moving and then I just like started like sobbing and like I broke down in the school cafeteria (laughs) as a first grader (laughs) and that's why we tell our children things that are happening yeah no because like here's where the adult perspective comes in you know Because when we were kids, we were so focused on the kids, we didn't even think that our parents could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And like now that we're adults, we're like, maybe I could have handled that a little bit better. Or a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, with like a little bit more grace and empathy towards your goddamn children. Right. Because like even as a kid, I don't think I had a full amount of empathy for Allie and Bree's situation because it was just something I was fucking used to. And it had happened so many times. And I remember I entered the public school system or whatever, like kindergarten, first grade. And every year since then until third grade, I had changed schools. So like I entered third grade thinking that it was going to be an entirely different set of classmates. And then when it was all the same people, I realized that not everyone moves every Mm -hmm. year of their life. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And ever since then, I like hadn't been too scared, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, just get over it. <laughs> like a 12-year-old. No, because I had like similar stuff. Like we moved around a lot because both my parents were military. Mm-hmm. And so like the, I remember being in my house in elementary school, like in the later elementary years and going, okay, it's going to be a year till we move because we're always moving within like so many years and this is the longest we've ever been in one place so we're gonna be moving soon and then it didn't happen and I was shocked I was like we're staying (laughs) (laughs) I was like people could do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. no and sometimes it's more shocking to stay than it is to go when you're so used to change change becomes your world and a world where everything stays the same becomes that foreign thing to you and you don't know how to deal with it it feels unsettling even though everything's settled (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, because you feel like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop is what it is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For Brie, on the other hand, I think her parents handled it a little better. I mean, they gave warning to their kids that, you know, we're going to have this happen in the future. They had warnings for like two years. And of course, that kind of starts to negate the reality of it. But mm-hmm. at least they did have some warning. But I thought her parents were actually worse in the understanding of their child, you know? I absolutely agree. Yeah, they didn't respect Brie. 
They didn't respect the goals that she had or the choices that she was making in her life. And she set up a whole whole world for herself, a whole future. Like she's she's gonna have this job, which first of all, who gets a job at 13? I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Well, um, anyway, <laughs> they tried to justify by being like, oh, I can a only junior. work two hours a day, but no one's going to hire someone who can only work two hours a day. It's not illegal. It's just unrealistic. They'd rather have a 20 year old that they can push to overtime every day or every not week. Right. <laughs> anyway, so there's that. But also, who's going to take advice from a 13 year old other than 13 year olds? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Exactly, anyway. exactly. <laughs> off topic but she set up you know I have this job that I'm going to go do I have all these plans for where I want to be in the future I want to you know be a model at this age I want to be traveling the world at this age like all those things and her parents shut her down every time they're like no your education is more important you're not allowed to do this you can't do that and it's like if you don't give support to your children they're never going to get anywhere first of all or they're going to struggle their entire way and believe that they can't do it because that's what you're telling them Mm -hmm. and it's that lack of support because brie has this conversation with this old woman named stella who comes in and out between her and jack's perspectives and brie's like oh well i want to be a model and she braces herself to get shut down she braces herself to start hearing like oh, that's so shallow. That's a stupid goal. Like you should focus on Mm -hmm. other things. And all Stella says is it's great to be driven at such a young age. It's great to have a goal in mind. And Bree's like shocked to hear that because she's never heard that before. Her parents were incredibly invalidating. Uh Uh-huh. And that goes to show just how much children like take in all of the things that they're being told by their parents. It's how much that they value that information, even when it is so negative. Mm -hmm. That's what they come to expect. That's what they come to believe. And you wonder why, even though she is smart and she's very pretty and she is very popular, why she has no confidence in herself in that way, Mm -hmm. because that's what she was taught. She's always taught to doubt herself and always taught to second guess because it's not what the most important people in her life Mm -hmm. want to see from her. And when those issues clash, especially at like such a young age, when you're butting heads with your parents like that and they're not saying that they're proud of you or that they approve of what you're doing, you start to internalize that and it Mm -hmm. eats away at you. And that's probably why she was like low-key a bitch uh, in the first half of the novel and because she had to have an outlet for that. And it also explains why she shuns so much of the geeky nerdiness that her parents have Mm -hmm. because she feels like she can't be that if she is pretty. If she Mm -hmm. is popular, she can't be smart too. That's not allowed. And it is partially from the, you know, societal ideas of popularity and stuff, but Mm -hmm. it also comes from her parents. They didn't tell her you can be both. They pretty much were saying you can only be the one. No, exactly. And you know what Brie says in like one of her first chapters, she says, the great thing about being beautiful is that no one expects anything else of you. And I think that she focuses all her energy on this outward appearance and materialism because she's afraid that if she actually tries, then it's never going to be enough. So you might as well put all your energy into something that you know that they'll never approve of than something that they might approve of and never reaching that level of validation. And something that lowers expectations of those around you. So that even when you do a little, it looks so impressive because everyone else doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that no, gives exactly. you validation, even though internally you're going, this isn't what I wanted. That wasn't as much as I could have done. If everyone says that you are one thing, why ever bother to be something else? And right. that is her lease on life. Maturing is realizing that Brie is the most complex character in this book. 
I know she really is and I think even as much as she fights it she handles everything pretty well no I feel like she handled it better than Allie did I mean she immediately came up with plans she came up with ways to get around it she eventually came up with ways to accept it and kind of adapt herself to fit in the scenario Mm -hmm. versus Allie just kind of was like uh what do I do now my world's over literally literally (laughs) Which, again, Allie didn't have as much time to process and she's been sheltered, but... No, exactly. And I think Brie really, like, thinks on her feet. In her own words, I can be organized when I want to be. So true, queen. Material girl. Material girl. (laughs) No, because, like, also, like, building off of that and Brie's parents' lack of empathy for her, they were like, you need to, like, give your entire room away. Right? She doesn't get to hold on to anything from her old life, which is extremely fucking traumatizing when you're a kid. To have to leave everything behind and not have a say in it. When you Mm -hmm. built up this image of your future that's suddenly just shattered. Especially when the items that were most precious to her, her magazines, were what they viewed as the most easy to get rid of. Mm -hmm. They were like, these aren't important, get rid of them. And she's like, this is my life. Mm -hmm. This is what I value in my life. And they're like, get rid of it. You Mm -hmm. can't And it doesn't matter if it seems fucking frivolous to you because this is like the one thing that they value and hold close to their chest. Then you should respect that. Exactly. And her parents don't. They didn't respect her. And they overly valued her sister to a point that even while Brie didn't fully acknowledge it, she did feel that. No, because Brie was totally jealous of Melanie because Mm -hmm. Melanie is very much like this go with the flow child, don't really care what people think, just kind of being herself, even if people make fun of her for it. And she was constantly happy and she loved the same things the parents loved. Mm -hmm. And that helped a lot. And Brie was completely opposite of that. But mm-hmm. I think there's still something to say about how much Brie respected and loved her sister, even though she was annoyed by it. Like she right. cared for her sister. Mm-hmm. Because her sister got like night terrors or whatever. And Brie was always the one to soothe her ever since she was like four years old. She like played that role of older sister. Which then this again, book also scratched my older sister. <laughs> yeah, this, this book also scratched my older sister itch. Because first of all, we have Brie who's taking care of her sister in a motherly role because her parents are working all the time as scientists nebulously and then there's Allie who picks up a lot of the slack of her younger brother because oh he can't be expected to like do those chores because he's so young and also they were doing so many chores when do they do school no right they kind of said at one point that they do chores at this time and they do school in like the afternoon or something like oh. they I did guess it is summer that, but yeah it is summer well and that so. was mostly when the campground was in the highest regards but Yeah, I guess that's fair to justify. But yeah, they did mention that briefly in one of the conversations. Well, there you have it, I guess. So we've talked about Allie. We've talked about Brie. Let's talk about... Jack? Did you forget his name? I did. Oh, no, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. My brain was all over the place. So Jack and his... Issues. Yeah. Complex. I like that one. (laughs) It's complex. So let's talk about Jack. So he's this soft-spoken artist, doesn't do too well in school, doesn't have a whole lot of friends, a little overweight and out of shape. But what he likes to do is he lucid dreams because he feels like he can fly there. And it's not just a thing where he likes who he is better, but he likes what he can do better because he feels more capable. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Jack's character arc is that he doesn't feel super capable of anything that's going on in his life. He's just kind of like, oh, like I failed, but whatever. I can't do any better than that. 
Well, and he feels like every time that he reaches out to people, they kind of shun him away or they will shun him away that they'll, mm-hmm. you know, tear him down or they maybe won't respect him or this or that or the other, which goes to like show okay, what was happening in his past that made him feel this way. Was it the mom? Was it all the stepdads? Like, it sounds like some of the stepdads were actually trying to be really nice to them and he just <laughs> couldn't quite relate. Well, I don't think it was an issue of niceness because I do absolutely think that all of his issues stem from like daddy issues because it sounds like his mom's like doing her best. And he does mention he's like, she's a young mom, which means that she probably had his older brother when she was a teenager. And his biological father left before he was even born to go find himself and never came back. And since then, he's had three stepfathers. And I think that where Jack finds his issues the most is the lack of follow through that he sees from male figures elsewhere in his life because Mm -hmm. not a single person has followed through with anything. His bio dad didn't follow through with being a father. His first stepdad like taught his brother sports, but not him because he was too young. The second stepdad built a treehouse but no door. And the third stepdad, did did we get a reason why the third stepdad left? Uh, We did, but I don't remember it. But even like the the lucid dreamer dad didn't fully follow through. I believe that was stepdad three. Oh, even he didn't follow through. Uh, Stepdad three was more of a deep thinker. Uh, He couldn't tell a hammer from a nail, but I can thank him for teaching me how to wake up in my dreams without waking up for real. Called it lucid dreaming. It's because of him that I can fly. Uh, So far, there's been no stepdad four. So we don't have a reason in that sentence why he left. I think from that, we can kind of infer though. I think he was just kind of like this guy that was too wrapped up in himself in his own head, quite literally in the sense of lucid dreaming, to worry about his family. Mm-hmm. I think he was just kind of like this self-involved guy. And that's not to say that he didn't care about Jack or his mother. It's just to say that maybe it wasn't the best male role model in his life because of that lack of consistency in his life that mm-hmm. he treated everything with. Kind of like a stoner dad. I'm not saying that parents who like <laughs> smoke weed are bad, but if it's all you're doing, I feel like he probably did. Because this this book had like some jokes that definitely would go over children's head, like Eclipse Chasers do it better. And Jack was like, I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) No, and then they were like, oh, where did you sleep? And Jack was like, oh, like I spent the night in like a shed. And they were like, dude, nice. (laughs) And he's like, that's weird. (laughs) He's like, I'm 13. (laughs) I do like how easily he and Ryan sort of became friends, though. Like mm-hmm. they were like little workout buddies. And I thought that was really cute because that was how we became friends. So, oh my God, it is. No, that is cute. Oh, right. I was like, oh my God, it says. <laughs> how did you feel about the pacing of this book? I thought it was good. I thought there were a few moments of unnecessary tension here and there with the sake of leaving off a certain character's perspective on like a cliffhanger or something. Like the whole thing mm-hmm. with Stella going missing, unnecessary. She was just like in the garden. <laughs> no really her son is like oh my god she's gonna be dead and then she's Uh just like go with the flow (laughs) no literally I was like that was fucking unnecessary also the fact that the son can't find the mom but a kid who met her literally for like two hours the other day can well to be fair they kind of wrote the son to be like the asshole character because he was also supposed to help silver with his research that's what I'm saying he was an asshole yeah yeah no he was totally a fucking asshole I thought other than that, there were a few like dun 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 moments that didn't need to be. But 
overall like pretty well paced a short and sweet story didn't Mm -hmm. drag out anything just maybe like increase the stakes a little bit how did you feel about the pacing I thought the pacing was really good I thought the beginning setup was done really well on connecting you to the characters and their problems and just Mm -hmm. like you know who they are now and you can kind of see where they're supposed to kind of be going I did wish that they had met a little bit sooner because we don't really see them all meet until halfway through the book pretty much that's when Jack starts to kind of get in into the group so I kind of wish that would have been a little bit faster and then Mm -hmm. we could have had some of those like (gasps) scenarios like afterwards Mm -hmm. because you could have easily had some of the like hotel scene where Sally gets lost at the campground and said something like that mm-hmm. well maybe not I don't know my point is I wish they had met a little bit faster so you could get a little bit more development on how they really sort of changed mm-hmm. although I did think it was hilarious that Brie looks at the moon the craters on the moon and she goes oh, my geek self is awakening she's <laughs> like oh no I'm interested (laughs) and she's like so shaken by it that Ryan physically had to like catch or Jack had to catch whoever it was had to like actually catch her because she was like unstable (laughs) it was like and then she was like can I see the nail polish and they're like gonna paint your nails and she's like I'm gonna paint my flashlight and everyone was like (gasps) I know right (laughs) something that I couldn't help but envisioning while I was reading this was what if this story was a musical I think it would be no because like I don't I don't want to see this as a movie I want to see it as a musical because I think these characters could have the most beautiful I want songs and then you have like Mr. Silver having the father figure song with Jack and then you could have like the sibling songs and like Stella imparting old wisdom to everyone and then they have like the eclipse song and then like all their lied motifs like converge and then they like part ways it'd be like a one act it'd be a one act if I had the talent I'd do it I, I can't write you. lyrics worth shit <laughs> I can help you <laughs> no because oh, I just think it'd be so fucking sweet to have this because I don't know I just think it'd be nice I can't picture this as a movie I picture it as a musical and that's honest to god that's just my opinion this either it's a book to me I don't feel like it's a movie or tv format I feel like it's really good as a book if the common of 1812 can be a musical then I think this can too (laughs) that was based off of like 80 pages of war and peace you're not familiar with musicals so all this is like lost on you but (laughs) yeah Dave Malloy call me we can talk (laughs) I heard you like writing musicals about solar events. Uh, would you go to Moon Shadow Campground? Yeah, I'd go see an eclipse. Yeah? Have All you the seen people any there. Eclipses? I saw the partial one that came through Arizona in 2017. Me too. Yeah, we weren't in the direct path, but I did see it. So I was on ASU campus with my roommate. I was at and my high school. It. Yeah, I think that's that's the only solar eclipse I've seen. I saw a lunar eclipse when I was very young and the moon was like red. I was up in Flagstaff. It was crazy. Like I thought I was dreaming. It was so vividly red. I was shocked. I was absolutely stunned. But solar events fascinate me. Yeah, I'd go see an eclipse. I'd go to Mm -hmm. Moonshadow. You pan for gold. The plastic nuggets of gold. The plastic nuggets of gold. I'm rich. I'm rich. No, but uh, I don't think it would be fun with all the people there. That doesn't sound like a good time because that sounded like crowded as hell. It right? sounded claustrophobic. It sounded like a fire hazard. Like if a fire <laughs> broke out, someone might get fucking trampled. Yeah. 
No, because like Allie and Kenny were literally running around putting out fires and they were being more adults than children in that situation. That is the sad part. They kind of ran a lot of the camp. Mm -hmm. No, because they're like, oh, because like of the eclipse, our parents had to hire more seasonal workers. And it's like, how about if you need to rely on your children this severely to run a campground, run your business, Mm -hmm. hire people anyway. Instead of relying also, on the free manual labor of your children. And it's hard fucking labor too. Allie's like digging up roots and shit. Also, her parents spent years and years in preparation for this singular event. And before the events even here, they're selling their campground. Like, what is that? It was preparation for after. I know. Like, but- okay, and now this is done. This chapter of our life is done. And it's like, it's not really profitable. But they sold it before the eclipse had even happened like yeah the, to like I think for Bree's a vacation date were were the owners by that point right i think it was like a thing where it's like we're gonna do a trade-off after the eclipse okay i think they had like signed the papers but it's like this will become yours on this date kind mm-hmm. of thing but yeah also uh, also can we talk about claire and the fact that claire was like you can absolutely live with me and her mom goes it's for it's for four how many years it's for how many years and she's like i'm i'm rethinking this already <laughs> no literally she's like absolutely honey wait what <laughs> three years excuse me three, three, that's we didn't discuss this <laughs> what was your favorite scene in this book and why I liked the eclipse. I liked the eclipse from the three different perspectives because everyone else had like a different lease on it. I think I liked Breeze the most because like coming into the situation, she's totally disillusioned. And her sister's like, listen to this quote on eclipses. Like this woman would stand and watch it every day for the rest of her life if she could. And Bree was like, that's fucking dumb. Why would anyone (laughs) want to do that? And then she like sees the eclipse and she was like, if this happened every day in perpetuity, like I would never leave this spot. And I was like, that's really nice. I love a good change of heart. I love a good change of heart. What about you? I don't know. The eclipse is really good. I also like the scene where Allie's trying to like figure her life out when she's going through the circle. And like when she gets to the center of it, she's like, why is my life not figured out yet? Because I think that's just like so telling of life and just Mm -hmm. problems in general. Like just thinking it through doesn't always help you. And she's like, why is this stupid thing not working? (laughs) No, I totally understand that. And also when Bree's looking through the telescope and then she's like, oh, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I thought I repressed this. <laughs> no, literally. It's so funny. So I'd say those are my two favorite scenes along with the actual eclipse. No, because like when I was a kid, Bree was my least favorite character. But as an adult, I think I enjoyed her the most. I right? think she had a lot of growing to do. She did a lot of growing and she was I very would- mature about it all. I would argue she had the most growth because like mm-hmm. Ali just like didn't want to be anything else. She was just happy with the way she was. So like, that's not too big of a deal, mm-hmm. but Brie was so against being anything but that. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think she had the most growth and then Jack just needed, you know, he needed a good friend to bring him out of the shell. Yeah. He needed to come into his own, but Brie was a story of like reconciliation of two halves of yourself and figuring out how they can work together. And I think that's a very mature topic for kids lit well Brie yeah. was kind of the most mature out of the three of them anyway so I think she was technically the oldest mm-hmm. she was like going into high school and I think Allie and Jack were going into middle school or eighth grade yep mm-hmm. either or she was right. a good character yeah I agree I agree should we guess yeah. characters zodiac signs 
Okay, let's guess the character's zodiac sign. Jack is a cancer, full stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say Allie is a Pisces. Bree's a Virgo. Bree is a Virgo 110%. I think Bree's a Leo. You think she's a Leo? Yeah, she wants attention. No, she's she's a Virgo because she's totally like neurotic about the way that she wants things. She's like totally That's a control. That's true. Thing. That is very true. Yeah, Brie, and she cares about nothing except for what everyone thinks about her all of the time. Leo. Virgo energy. <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> Allie. Oh, I don't think she's a Pisces. I mean, I get that vibe from her. Like, she might I feel be a like- Pisces rising. Hmm. And maybe like a Capricorn sun. Pisces yes. rising Capricorn sun is my chart. Um, okay. Not oh to project. No, She's it's a mix like of us. Oh my God. I give the homeschooled focused on one niche and you give the emotional life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> With that, shall we move on to ratings? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thank you, bestie. As a refresher for our rubric, we will rate each of these five categories, plot, characters, prose, world building, and vibes on a scale out of five, add them mm-hmm. up and average them out for a total star rating. Honor, mm-hmm. are you ready? I am ready. Would you like to go first? <laughs> sure. Okay, I have my calculator um, up. Okay, so plot feel like the plot was really good. It set us up with the expectations. It delivered. There was, you know, some shocking moments. There was some lull of life. It was a solid four. Solid four for the plot. All right. Enjoyed. Um, characters, I'm going to give a 4.5. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I, I liked most of them. So other than the, you know, asshole of a son. <laughs> <laughs> Prose-wise, I feel like it was good. There wasn't anything like super phenomenal, but it also wasn't trying to be so phenomenal that I disliked it. So four stars. (laughs) World building, they set the scenes. They really gave us the world that we live in, you know? So 4.5 stars. All right. And vibes? Vibes was a four. I enjoyed it. It was good. I will reread again. All right. Would you like to hear yeah. what you rated every solo star? Uh, absolutely. Oh, we'll you got a 4.2 out of 5. Nice. That's a good star rating. That's accurate. Yeah. All right. Now it's my turn. Uh-huh. Okay. So for the plot, strong beginning, strong climax, strong end. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. Characters, 5 out of 5. I think that they each had a very strong voice for each of their perspectives. I liked them. I liked the arcs that they took. I liked the people that they became. And I think all their choices were quite sensible. Five out of five for characters. Prose, I'm going to give it another five out of five because I think that it was very appropriate for the story that it was telling and the grade level that it wanted to reach. And like I said, for characters, this kind of ties into characters. Each character had like a strong voice and kind of a different set of prose kind of like a different vocabulary that they would use for each character. Like Brie wouldn't talk the same as Jack. Jack wouldn't talk the same as Allie. Allie wouldn't talk the same as Brie, you know. For world building, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 because while it is the world that we live in, I also think that the author did a wonderful job of 
integrating scientific information to kind of teach the reader as they go. Because again, this is like a grade level book. So you want to make sure that information is scientifically accurate. So that way, when they go around telling their little friends about eclipses, they're not wrong. So I think that it was both educational and enlightening. And I know about eclipses if she did her research, which I'm pretty sure she did. I She had like an editor's note at the end. <laughs> And she was like, here are my sources. And I was like, looks legit. I didn't like look into them, but she did appear to like <laughs> cite her sources. She like is an eclipse chaser herself. So like, I trust her. The so 4.5 out of five for world building. Vibes, solid four stars. I think it was like very wholesome, very sweet to the point. That's a wrap on my ratings. What's my total score? Your total score is 4.6 out of five stars. Excellent. Well, yeah, you heard it here first, one. folks. Uh, Every Soul of Star is a bona fide recommendation from us. Absolutely. Randos we loved it. post their voices on the internet. We love it. We would read it again. We would own it physically, just as I do. And later try and check and put it in the sun to see if the star will glow tonight. I hope it does. Please keep me posted. I'm so curious. Okay, <laughs> I will. <laughs> watch it not and i just made that up entirely that would be hilarious full stop honestly i i believe it could happen that way so thank you so much for listening this far uh to the end of the episode we upload episodes bi-weekly that is once every other week not twice a week that is too much reading too much we also have other social media including instagram tiktok youtube when we finally get around to updating it don't and worry about it sweetheart. don't worry don't about worry. it don't worry about it don't don't we had to go listen on spotify instead or apple music or google google or something you know anything but youtube <laughs> our uh, handle for that is at young adult adult reviews so go give us a follow drop a like and you can also drop suggestions there what what we do take listener recommendations last week we took shatter me recommended by kinderhope.x i believe their username was that could be you we could be reading your favorite book and potentially really not like it that's a possibility so So if you get defensive over your literature choices i'm so sorry this is a risk we have to take but we are appreciative that you asked us to read it and we do read it Because then we can participate in discourse in an informed state. And that's my favorite thing to do. Because they're like, did you even read it? And I'm like, yes, I did. The whole way through. And I hated it. DNF, we don't know her. (laughs) We don't know. We power through. Just so we can say we read it and we didn't like it. No, because if you don't read it all the way through, they're like, well, did you finish it? They're going to be like, you have to get to the end. Because then if you get to the end, they can't say shit. They can't right. say shit. No, that was me reading Young Elites because I literally hated that series for so much of it. And I got to the end and I was like, fuck. I'm like, like it. God damn it, it's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally me. No, because the end puts everything in perspective on yeah. that one. We'll that get to it eventually. With, that was me with Cruel Prince too, though, because I disliked that the first time I read it for like most of the first and second book. And then I was like, God damn it, this is actually good. Thank you so much. Again, for listening to us ramble and hearing our unsolicited opinions, whether you agreed with them or not. We love uh, to give them. <laughs> we love to give them. Subtweet us. We don't have a Twitter, but subtweet us anyway. It yeah. might be fun. If you don't agree, let's start some Twitter discourse. Should we get I, Twitter just for this? A Twitter just for Twitter discourse? I feel like we might regret hey. that. 
I might yeah, even regret like just good. saying that. If you can find my Twitter, tweet at me. Tweet your discourse. You can find mine too, but it doesn't exist. So good luck. Anyway, thank you. That, that is, is a, wrap. a wrap. It's going to be totally not synchronized.